Hi, I'm Jacqueline Freeman. And I'm Sarah Korn. You're listening to Kitchen Table Alchemy, living in full color. This is a podcast for people who see and spread the magical in everyday life. Welcome. All right, pull a chair up, grab a grab a cup of tea, and um, I think today the first segment we're going to start talking about um, about other people's judgment. So as we were kind of setting up equipment this morning, we're just sort of talking about what's happened since we saw each other last, and and we're having this conversation and realize we should be recording this because I'm sure there's other people that could. I know I'm not the only one dealing with what's yeah. going on here. So, um, so uh, to back up a little bit, I uh, went to a yoga nidra or a, a gong meditation at a yoga studio here in Central Phoenix on Tuesday. I had no idea there were such things. There are. It's <laughs> wonderful. It's so, so lovely. It really, really is. Um, if you're down in Gilbert, uh, Gretchen Bickert has one down at Gilbert Yoga that is just amazing. And she is so warm and friendly when you come in, right? Um, but this one was a new place. It's here in Central Phoenix. We hadn't tried it yet. And they were, well, the people at the door were very warm and friendly. But as soon as we got past the door... Um, the classroom itself felt very cold and judgmental, right? So, um, and we got there at like 7.01. It was the first time we'd been there. We were riding our bikes. But seriously, the, the, the lights, the last mile lasted longer than the first two and a half miles <laughs> altogether. Like it was crazy. But, um, so we got there like 7.01 for the class that started at seven and, um, the teachers were just talking like they hadn't started like the pre-meditation or anything like that. Um, but it felt really kind of cold and judgmental and, um, but the gong meditation itself, right. They, so you do like a little bit of visualization, you just relax on your mat and then, um, they start doing the gong and the gong is amazing. I mean, it feels like you're going through a portal. It's just the most incredible. It's so like, I don't even know how to describe it. I know it's the best thing, (laughs) seriously. And, and, and I just love I love sound anyway, right? I mm-hmm. think music is really healing and the voice can be very healing. Is and it that kind of sound that feels like it's almost like physical, you know? Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. I, I think I know kind of what you're talking about. Like, yeah. well, I've heard gongs before, so right. yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they just keep kind of like tapping on it or whatever, so the sounds sort of r- ripple and roll over each other. Mm. And there, there, there have been many times that I felt like I was stepping through a portal. Like, it's just fantastic. So wow. if look in your area and find a gong meditation. Um, and uh, so, so we were really excited about going to this, and we walk in the room, and it felt really just judgmental and I felt like I had to rush to get settled or whatever. Um, and, um, so I didn't, like didn't get a blanket and I didn't get a knee thing to put under my knees. Right. Mm. So the gong, we started with the gong and my hips were just on fire, like the whole time that we're doing it. And, and I came to the awareness that I'm holding my fear of other people's judgment in my hips. Right. So the hips help us move forward. So whenever there's pain in the body in the hips, um, it has to do with that moving forward. So if it's on the left-hand side, the left-hand side of the body is going to be the more intuitive side of the body, more our natural way of doing things. And the right side of the body is more the deeds or the things that we've been, that we've practiced or been taught. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So, um, so if you've got pain on the left hip, 
right, then that means there's this sort of fear about your own way of being in the world, and that's what's holding you from moving forward. If it's in the right hip, it's your fears of being able to fit into the practice ways of society does it, whatever. Both of my hips were just on fire, like, the whole time. And so I started realizing um, how much my fear of other people's judgment keeps me from doing things, right? So... Um, so just now we were talking about how, um, for 2016, every time I'm doing a meditation for my intentions and stuff, I just, I want to be the Gertrude Stein of the desert. Like (laughs) I want, and for those who don't know who Gertrude Stein is, she lived in Paris at the turn of the century, last century. Um, and Ernest Hemingway and E.E. Cummings and Ezra Pound and Picasso and Dali, like all these guys, hung out at her house, right? She had these Saturday night salons. And so a a movement was birthed in her house and everybody there would collaborate with each other and look at each other's work. And I mean, just, it just gets me so excited. It sounds like a mastermind group, like before mastermind groups was a thing. And then it's the same idea. Yeah. And a networking group before networking groups were invented. Right. Yeah. Like this is the original networking because it got to the point where if you could get an invitation to her place, like that was gold, right? You meet people there that were going to change your world. So, um, I would really love for that to happen here. And I think there have already been things that we've done in this house since we moved here. That- yeah, I could totally see that. Right? I totally. So amazing. Oh my gosh. So it's more like activists and artists and right. Like people, the shift makers. Well, you know, so many interesting people. That's the thing There's that so I'm cool always, people to know. I'm, like, I'm like, wow, Jacqueline has the most interesting friends. If so- they can put up with me, they've got to be. <laughs> So, so, um, but yeah, like I, for a while I'd been thinking, um, cause in my business, right. I work with couples and do this mm-hmm. relationship work. So I'd been thinking about doing these date night dinner club things and having a dinner, which I love putting dinners on and having a dinner and doing activities around it and that kind of stuff. And notice that if I thought about having it as an official, like business event, and charge like $45 a person for a three or four course meal. And we're going to do these activities and whatever. Like I get all this stress. And then I think like, Oh, then it has to be a series and I have to put the dates on the calendar now. And then I have to like more. It becomes and then, work. Oh my God. Basically, yeah. And then yeah. like, if I get an invitation, like I got an invitation this morning from one of our, uh, family in, um, in Holland to come house at their house in June. Right. Ooh. So like, so if I've, if I've set these dates of dates on the calendar, well then if I get an invitation like that, you can't just, well, do now I'm stuck yeah. because right. So yeah, so it turns into work and it's not fun anymore. But when I think about just inviting people that I know that I think are really awesome and working it very much like we did the new year's Eve dinner where, okay, you think of an activity to do around here. You practice some music. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like just telling everybody like what to bring to the table basically mm-hmm. and having an event. Then I just get really excited. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then I can't wait. But so we were talking right before we turned the mic on about how like once the money's on the table, there's... It becomes a transaction, right? Value for value. You do this, and then I give you that. Yeah. Right. And that changes the dynamic of what it is. And I wish that it didn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree, you know, because there's there are just certain things that it's like, uh, you just like, oh, man, you know, because doing things like that 
do take up time, yes. right? Putting on events or, you know, even if it's just a social gathering, there's still a lot of work for the hostess on that. And, Absolutely. and so, you the know, cleaning alone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and especially when, you know, you're a solopreneur like you and I, where, um, you know, time is money. And if you're, if you're spending time doing that, that means that you're not spending time doing something that you could be making money at. And so, yeah, that's a challenge. Right. Yeah. So I think turn. a lot of people have, have a struggle with that where there's something that they want to do because it's something they enjoy and they're really excited about and it could bring value to people. But then figuring out, well, how am I going to monetize this? Um, one, it changes the dynamic of what it is. And then two, like you said, it turns it into work. And and then three, there's a thing of, well, can you monetize it? Is there a business model that you can create from that? Right. And so, yeah, I totally feel your pain. I know. <laughs> God. So, yeah, this idea of like, oh, well, if people put 45 and and they would spend it mm-hmm. easily. So, I mean, I know. Well, you could maybe make it like a donation or, you know, just have, have a tip jar like, like, and say. Help out with a grocery it, yeah. fund or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I thought about doing that. I thought about doing that, too, and I probably will do that. But, but like you said, this, you know, like once the money's on the table, then there's this. Then I perceive other people's expectations. Ah, right. And and once I start perceiving other people's expectations, then I want to control more things. Well, and then it brings it back to the judgment thing you were and talking about. about now, judgment. now that you have these expectations, now you're going to compare yourself and your performance to those expectations. Okay, so right <laughs> over on my board over there, I don't know if you can see it from no, here. No, I can't. Um, these are the lists from uh, the Not Daring Greatly book. Is it the Dar- it is the Daring Greatly book from Brene Brown? Okay, and so it's like cultivate creativity, mm-hmm. avoid comparison. Yeah. So comparison is the assassin of creativity, right? Yeah. So, so, so then it brings this like extra layer of icky <laughs> if people are there and comparing. Well, right? and then, then like- it you know it does the same thing for the people who are attending too because then they're like, okay, I paid money for this, and then they're comparing. Did I get my money's worth? Did I get what I wanted out of it? Which is a different thing than just, oh, I'm going to go spend a Saturday evening at Jacqueline's house and hang out with cool, interesting people and who knows what's going to happen, you know? And so it's a more, that's just a more open way. It's leaving it open for things to just develop. True. Which, which is, there's just a certain fun in that. I mean, there are something, there are sometimes when it's, it's good to plan things out and, you know, where you, um, do want to control the outcome. But then there are other times where you don't necessarily want to control the outcome. You want well, to so let this is evolve. the thing, right? Like how, and of course, with a, as a literary device or a film device, like you add money to the picture and it shifts everything, right? right. Like all this stuff comes up to the surface. Like that is like, narrative trick number number 12 right, <laughs> right. Like, it's well like, it's putting stakes right right yeah, yeah. yeah. like throw <laughs> throw a big heap of money into the middle of this right of, of whatever situation and money becomes the magnifier and whatever is there comes out to the surface right? right so but we do have all these like preconceptions about money and all these things we attach to money and the you know what i mean because like a typical saturday night like if jason and i went out to a show or a movie and to have dinner, like really, really easy to spend $150 actually mm. for the whole night for two people. Yeah. Right. So we like to, we like to eat good food yeah. <laughs> and we like to see good shows. So, yeah. um, so it's, so that, that can be a pretty typical 
like weekend, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, suddenly, even though something like this would be less, there's still this way that it shifts things or our expectations or what I would perceive to be people's judgment. Mm-hmm. Because do I walk into St. Francis or Southern Rail with the same level of expectation and judgment that I think people are going to come to my house with? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? You mean in... No, what's the question? What? So my perception of, okay, if people are paying, if they're paying money to come do something here, then they're going to expect, like, my my fear or my perception is that mm-hmm. they expect this, like, amazing experience mm-hmm. for that amount of money. Right. But, like, you can drop that amount of money at Fridays, and I can assure you yeah. that it was not an amazing experience. <laughs> yeah. Right? If you have a couple of cocktails and dinner at TGI Fridays, 45 bucks right. a person, not very hard. Yeah. Right? So, um, but then my perception or my fear of judgment or my 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 fear that they're going to have expectations that I'm not going to be able to deliver on. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and that's, you know, I was just talking about this with a friend last night that oftentimes our fear of what something is going to be or not going to be is often greatly exaggerated. And... Um, uh, one of the uh, great book that I'm uh, reading again now with my kids is called The Four Agreements, oh, which I'm sure such you've a heard good of. One. Yeah. yeah, and one of the agreements is don't make assumptions, and that's where a lot of judgment, especially self judgment, comes from. Is when totally. we assume right. that people are judging us, that they're going to have certain expectations, and so I've gotten better at questioning that when I start to self-judge and and to envision, oh, people are going to think this or that. And and then I go, do you actually know that's true? You know, (laughs) like, like, wait, let's check that and and question it. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. And, and I, I find that, you know, for me, those practices of um, stopping judgment, either myself or of other people, you know, catching myself, making assumptions and interrupting that, you know, all that kind of stuff is an ongoing practice. You know, yeah. it's not something you do once and then, oh, great. Now I never make yeah, assumptions again. Never ends. <laughs> if That's only, it. right? I know, right? <laughs> We'd well, have world peace like by the end of this year. And we'd all be living our full potential and creating these amazing things, right? Because once we created one thing, we'd have gone through it already and be yeah. done. And, and you know, that makes me think that, you know, with something like what you're talking about, you know, with creating these gaps gatherings, it's, it's an ongoing thing, right? And it's something that people keep coming to over and over and they build those relationships. And the, the value is not necessarily just the one night. It's building those relationships with people over time. And some nights you may have like this incredible conversation with someone that's just, you know, opens your mind to new ways of thinking or being. And and you're like, oh my God, it was this amazing experience. And I would have paid a thousand dollars for that experience because it was so wonderful. And then another night you go and it's like, I hung out, ate some drink, ate some food, had some drinks, good conversation. Right, right, you know, right. it's just yeah. a, another great Saturday no, night, you know? True. So, I mean, people's experiences are going to vary. That's so true. And it's really interesting, right? Because I think this this fear of other people's judgment, anytime you're looking to step into your true work or you're working on creative projects or you've just got something you want to get out there, like this, like you said, is a battle that comes up <laughs> every single freaking time. Yeah. Like, and there's a part of me that's like, 
oh, that's not fair. Like, I should be, like, good enough at this already. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. That I shouldn't have to worry about it anymore. But I think, like, um, and, and I think Brene Brown, Brene Brown's work, like, testifies to this, right? That it just does, that it doesn't really, if it's getting easy, then you're probably not pushing yourself. Right. Right. There's always another level. Right. Then it becomes, then you're, you, then you're doing factory work instead of creation. Mm. Right. Um, I was reading tribes from Seth Godin this morning. And so he talks about, um, working in a factory, right. Being a manager versus being a leader. Oh yeah. And how we're right. And how we're moving to this place. And I think this is a big part of the shift of people not being interested in working in factories, nor in being the manager or in buying the things factories produce, right? right. That we want things that are, that are individual, that are unique, that are made with soul, that are, right? Like, mm-hmm. we want to go back to that kind of But artisan. without going back to the Stone Age, you know, right. in other words, we want things that are personalized, but still have all those efficiencies of, you know, economies of, of production and things like that, that that have come with, you know, like, for instance, now, if you want to, say, publish a book, self-publish something, you know, you can order 50 copies, and, you know, they're not handwritten by, like, a monk or something, but, you know, now they have the technology that can do that small run and still have it be customized. And so I think that's really where a lot of this is moving, where we're trying to keep all of that wonderful technology and those efficiencies and things like that that developed out of the industrial age, but then looking at, okay, and now how can we personalize things and still use the tools that allow us to personalize things. So efficiency as a tool, not efficiency as a goal. Right. Yeah. 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 Huge difference. Yeah. Yeah. So this, this, this idea of wrestling with the judgment, right? Like every time we've got to get the thing out there. Um, and it, and like it in daring greatly, like she says, right. The cultivating creativity means avoiding comparison, like, (laughs) and whether we think other people are comparing our work to something or whether we're comparing our own work to something, Right. That's like, one of the biggest things that I've learned as a writer is that um, there's this type of writing called intuitive writing where you're uh, you're just free flowing, right? You're you're letting your imagination run and then just typing whatever comes out. And and the key with having that really work is that you don't judge. You just right. let it come out and be whatever it's going to be. And then later on, there's another step in the process where you go back and you look at that and you pull out the really good stuff. Yeah. You're like right? mining. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like the diamond and the rough kind of thing where you, then you cut away the rough bits and you have the diamond, you right. know, or the right <laughs> drunk edit sober kind of this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, well, and that's where that comes from, right? Yeah, it's because totally. people are more able to let Take go of judgment and in, in inhibitions when they're, yeah, when they're you know drunk or <laughs> right. whatever, <It's, laughs> or like sleep deprived, so the filters aren't there. Like whatever yeah. you got to do to take the filters down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, like one of the things that. Um, uh, and this this helps a lot, I think, when it comes to writing and, and work. I think 
with my thing, I just need to really, I don't know what kind of work I need to do to get this sorted out. But, um, one of the things that I would tell my clients to do when they're stuck with writing something is to go online on Amazon, like think of their favorite book in Arthur mm-hmm. and then go online with Amazon and read the five star reviews and the one star reviews. Hmm. Right. To really help you detach from criticism and blame. Right. And yeah, um, there's something powerful out powerful about seeing something, a book or a movie or something that you love and you just think it's so amazing. And then reading these one star reviews and people hating on it and it's and you're just like what? Like, how could anyone not like this? I know, you know? Or at least hate it. Like, how can you, right? Like, okay, maybe it wasn't your favorite, 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 favorite movie and totally changed your life like it did for me. Right. But, but how could you hate it? Hate it. it. Yeah. yeah. No, it's yeah. really interesting. And, and that's when you realize that that no one escapes judgment of other people. You know, the, the haters are going to hate. They're always going to be there. And even the greatest artists and the best masterpieces, no one escapes. Well, so this is a judgment from other people. Totally. Like Seth, so (laughs) Seth Godin and tribes this morning, again, reading this, he was saying that, um, when a book of his draws criticism, like, of course it hurts, right? Because if we're not, if we're not being vulnerable, then, then they're attacking your baby. Of course. Right. Yeah. It's going like to hurt, you, right? Like we've closed yeah. it off to where we don't feel those attacks. Then, then we're closing off lots of other, we're not being vulnerable. Oh, right. 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 So if the armor is down and we're being authentic, then it is going to hurt. Like there's just no escaping that. But he was saying that, that he, he, there was some criticism he had gotten on one of his books. And of course there was an, the initial sting. And then he realized this is actually awesome because I've done something real enough to draw criticism. Right. Like it touched a nerve on somebody. Right. That yeah. it was like, at least it's remarkable. <laughs> yeah. Right. At least it's worth remark. Like if it was, it was just worth a- taking the time to write a one star review. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> right. So clearly you've moved out of the like mediocre zone. <laughs> yeah. Right. If like someone's just like, Oh my God, it's the worst piece of crap I've ever written. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and, you know, I was thinking about something this morning, um, just sort of like my mind running while I was taking my shower and everything. And, and, and I thought to myself, because I was, I've set aside a day tomorrow when I'm just going to be working on my fiction writing. And yeah. so, you know, a part of me was looking forward to really spending some time getting out some intuitive writing. And then another part of me was like, I have to go back and read it. And what if it isn't very good? And, you know, kind of. And, and so, you know what? I'm going to. When I go, because I have actually written a lot of like intuitive just pieces of the story over the past couple of years, and there I have like two notebooks full of stuff, okay. and so that's one of the things I'm going to do tomorrow. Start going through some of that stuff, and and I said to myself, you know what? Here's how I'm going to approach it. I'm going to imagine that I'm like a producer or an editor, publisher, someone like that who who has just been brought some work by their their favorite writer. And someone that they know is really talented and can do great stuff. And the writer says, okay, here's some something I'm working on. It's still really rough. And so what I would like your help with is pick out the really good parts. You know, help me see what's what works with this, right? And 
And then, and the great thing about that is going back to the judgment piece that you were talking about is that when you, for those times when you have to judge your own work, because sometimes you do, I'm going to have to go back and read that stuff and make some judgment calls about what I wrote. So for those times when you do have to judge your work or something that you've done, if you do it from that attitude and that perspective of, this is someone I really like, who's really talented, and they just need a little help from me to go in the right direction and to for me to show them how they can make it even better, then that's a really healthy and yeah. wholesome way to give yourself that judgment of your work, right. which is different than judgment of you. Exactly. It's judgment of your work. Say, that's right. what the, the difference that I'm hearing there is that your basic assumption is that you're a good writer with talent. Right. So you're going into yeah. the basic assumption, right? Like, And hey, I think everybody has to do that. Even oh, people absolutely. who are starting out. I mean, I don't have any great published work of fiction that is like proof that right. I'm a great writer. So, you know, even when you don't have something like that to say, oh, yes, I'm talented, you have to be your first fan. You have yeah. to be the first person who believes absolutely. that you are great. Absolutely. No, it's so true. Oh! love that, Sarah. I'm so happy. <laughs> that is so cool. I'm going to be sending you like big, awesome, you're the best writer ever vibes tomorrow. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> no, I really love that. And I, you know, I think that's the piece too of like thinking about doing these events, right? Like if it's just people coming over and ever doing the sort of stone soup soiree kind of thing. Oh my God. I love that. Maybe that's what I need to call them. <laughs> Stone soup soirees. Okay, so help me remember that. And then, <laughs> so um, if I do these like stone soup soirees where people are bringing things, right? Like, I know we're going to have an amazing time. I know, like, as long as I'm having fun, <laughs> like, if I'm having fun, then fun's being had, right? 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 Well, like, you're having fun, and interesting people are there. And they're having fun. Right. Right. Yeah. Totally. Fun is contagious. So, yeah. So I know, like, I know that I'm a good hostess, right? Like, this is the, I mean, I joke a lot about being a recovering Southern belle. Right. <laughs> right. Um, but, but that is one of the things that, that I will always hold, right? Like, mm-hmm. I was trained deeply <laughs> from right. birth on how to throw a party, right? Okay, so cool. how to set it up, how to, and I'm, I'm a very sensual person, right? So I want things to be beautiful. I want things to smell beautiful. I want mm-hmm. them to look beautiful. I want to the, them to feel beautiful. Like I just, I want, I want beauty through all, through all of it. Right. So, mm-hmm. and that's something that, that, that I create constantly. Right. So, so I, so I know when it comes to that space, like, okay, this is great. And then there's my own issues with the money that like suddenly makes things strange and weird. And mm-hmm. this and says, it, now I'm an entrepreneur and I have to charge for my events, you know? Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> no, totally. And I, I think, um, yeah, I'm just ready to kind of step into, and again, this is like letting the priestess kind of move forward a little bit more in my business and, um, and just like let recognize that if I, if I am in the middle of this amazing community of artists and activists and shift makers and change makers, right. Then, then it's like, if I'm facilitating these connections and collaborations and creativity, do I really think that the universe is going to like, let me starve? Right. 
Do I really think that? Like, how much has it done for me that that I would start thinking it's going to pull the rug out now? Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, the universe is not my dad. (laughs) Well, well, and the other thing, too, is, you know, if at some point it's not working and it's causing stress or whatever... You can always stop. No, it's very, so true. It's not like this is a lifetime. See, I think that's part of it. I think that's part of it too, right? Like, if I set it up as a series, then whether I want to or not, I have to. Yeah, no. Because I've set it as a series, and people have bought tickets, and right, like yeah. business plans. It's always like you get more if you buy more. Blah, 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 you know. Yeah. So then it then it that's an obligation. Mm-hmm. But if it's just me, like okay, the shindig. Right. Yeah. Like, hey, so it's Party time for house. a stone soup soiree. <laughs> yeah. We're going to do it a week from Saturday. Can you be there? Like, yeah. then, then I just like get the hanker in and let it happen. And, and then there's a lot more trust and, you know, it's e- and it's easier for me to trust. Right. Like mm-hmm. if I'm just sort of flying by the seat of my pants, you know, then it's, it, and that maybe sounds weird to people. Maybe I mm-hmm. think for a lot of people having the plan is what makes it easier for them to trust. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right. But for me, it's kind of the opposite. I feel like if I'm flying by the seat of my pants, then, then I can trust more because, because the impulse came to me. Right. So then I just trust that the impulse came to other people Yeah. and that we're all, there is go. a freedom in that. And you know, I am the sort of person that usually likes the plan, right? I feel better <laughs> with the plan, but it was interesting. So with doing this podcast. It was very similar to your experience. So, um, I had originally thought that it would be cool to be your perpetual guest on your podcast. Cause you said you were interested in doing a podcast. And I thought, you know, that might be really cool because then I could just like show up and record it. And then, but it's Jacqueline's podcast. And like, so I don't have to like, it's not my job. I just show <laughs> up and, and be the guest or whatever. And then, and then as we started working on it, I realized, Oh my God, we need to plan this and this. We got to figure out how to get on iTunes, and we got to do like all this stuff. And 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 I went, oh, I'm gonna have to organize this thing, like because of the two of us, right? I'm the more like organized <laughs> person, right? Yeah, those are like real quotes, not yeah. just air quotes. Yeah. <laughs> and so oh. and so I was so I had this moment where I was like, I'm gonna. I'm going to have to like run this thing. Like I'm going to have to set the schedule and make sure we meet regularly. And, and, and I'm going to have to do all the editing. I like, I, well, I made this assumption one that I was going to have to do all of it. Right. And then, and and it got to that point, like what you were saying where now it's work. Now it's like another thing that I have on my plate that I have to do. And I was just, and then I said, you know what, then I'm not going to do it because I can't take on another project. And so the minute I accepted that decision, the thought came into my mind of, but I want to do it. You know? And I'm like, I don't, let me <laughs> Yeah. So, so, so I thought again, I was like, well, maybe I shouldn't assume that I'm going to have to organize everything and plan out. Maybe I'll just show up to the sessions. We'll just show up. We'll have a meeting. We'll, we'll talk fig- about whatever talk comes about up. what we're gonna do, <laughs> and just go from there. And that's pretty much we what we've done. We set the meetings, you know, every couple weeks. We show up. We talk about what we're gonna do on that session, and then we do it. Right. And and it's great. I think we're learning. We should plug the <laughs> we should plug the mic in earlier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Instead of talking about what we're gonna talk about, we should just Start plug talking. the mic in and go. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, so no, totally true. And I think when we're in that space of just having fun with it, 
then it makes it so much easier, doesn't it, to mm-hmm. see that if, in fact, the other people do have that judgment, I think, you know, a lot of times they don't, and we're assuming that right. they do. It's really our own self-judgment. That's, the fear, that fear right, of judgment. Th- yeah. Right, that's coming up. But if, in fact, they do have judgment, well, it's clearly their problem. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, It's not for them. Right. And so, like... Okay, fine. You're 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 not a tribe. That's right. cool. You don't have to listen to it. You yeah, know, move on. But and the the same thing with writing work or painting paintings or uh, organizing uh, protests or whatever whatever it is that makes your heart beat right. That um, if we're doing it from this place of joy and play, I mean it. It, there has to be the discipline, right? Like, yes, we have we have this meeting on our calendars, and if we can't meet on the day that it's set, set, then right within we, two or right, three days, we we're schedule. like, okay, it's yeah. got to happen um, that week, even if it doesn't happen on the Wednesday. Um, so there's got to be the discipline around it. Mm-hmm. But then once the discipline makes it happen, right in the moment then you just itself, then it. you just have fun. Yeah. And and yeah, and then there's there's so much more clarity and yeah. easier to see that other people's judgment. Is their yeah. burden to carry and not ours. Okay, so for this next segment, today is actually the full moon. And so we thought um, we'd talk a little bit about full moon practices. Um, so the full moon and the new moon are really important places within the naturist um, practices, right? Because it's connected, and I I feel like the more urbanized we become, the more I appreciate practices that keep us tied to greater natural cycles. Yeah. Right? Um, And so, um, yeah, so so taking some time on the full moon and the new moon every month to just kind of square in in a way, and um, the full moon, if you think about the moon being a cup... Right. With the full moon, it's full. It's all filled up. So the only way to keep adding is to pour that out. Oh, okay. Does that make sense? Right. Like pour it out and start over. Exactly. So the full moon is a really good time to release things that either have spent their time or that aren't working for you. Right. Gotcha. So, um, so spending that time on the full moon, it, uh, so one of the practices that, that I do and you, you're in that kind of energy for three days before and three days after. Oh, so, oh. so, it's, so you have a little bit of leeway, right? If you don't have to do it on, on the, the, of the full, full moon. moon, right? Okay. Like obviously the, like, and you can look on count, you know, you can Google the full moon time, and it will tell you the precise time that the full moon, oh, really? that the moon is actually full. Yeah. Wow. You can like, you can get as like SJ on this as you want to. Right. So, um, being an NP, I do it a little different, but, um, so, so you, that, that is like the apex of that kind of energy or whatever. But, um, you have to, you have two to three days before and after if there's full moon practices that you want to do. So one of the things that I do on the full moon is to deep clean my house. Oh, okay. Right, because it's a good because it's a good time to release things. So, um, and you want to start at the back and work towards the door, so that your base. The idea is that you're sort of like it's kind of like the door is like the edge of the cup. 
where it's basically going right like you want to get it all you don't want anything from the bottom all the way exactly to the top. Okay. so you start at the back of the house and you move your way forward and and work from top to bottom right like mm. obviously if you <laughs> if you're if you mop the floors and then dust you're gonna have to mop the floors again right, right. like yeah so that's something I do just anyway when I'm cleaning. Right. Well, we were taught those things, <laughs> right. right? Like, if, if, if you're living with someone who was not taught those things, then it could be like, excuse me, what are you doing? Right? Like, um, I've had but, to teach my kids that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It has no, to, no. Think have, about this, guys. Think about it. Totally. If you right? clean the floor and then dust the counter. Yeah. Totally. So, but like, as a, as a Southern, especially a female, mm-hmm. like, since I was like four or five years old, I've been taught this stuff, right? Okay. So I've had a lifetime yeah. of... Or the dirtiest or the cleanest to dirtiest, you know, like you do the dirtiest thing last so that your rag isn't, if you do exactly. the dirty thing, then you're wiping it on. Exactly. Right. Same yeah. kind of idea. Like you, you, <laughs> the bathrooms are the last thing to happen. Right. Right. Um, and you obviously start with the sink in the bathroom and the toilet is the last thing that you clean. Yep. Because you don't want to, like, be scrubbing on the toilet and then wipe that in your sink. Like, it just doesn't... You just don't want to, right? Like, well, let's think about it. So it's kind of the same idea, right? And um, so starting at the back of the house and working forward and... Um, and one of the things that, um, and this is, this is also kind of a feng shui idea, right? But it's something that I had come to understand when I lived in the Netherlands. Um, I assigned different, and this was one of the tools that I used to get myself out of the suicidal depression that almost took me under at the end of my time there. I, I assigned meaning to the different rooms in my house, right? So I really thought about like, what what if the if the house is is my body basically right if the house is a reflection of my body then what are these different what What does each room represent what part of your body and so for example the kitchen was like a sticking point for because i hated doing dishes so dishes would pile up and pile up and pile up Mm. and it's because i've been doing dishes since i was five thanks to shirley temple right (laughs) so like what is that movie the little princess or something and she's like doing dishes and smiling and singing a song and so i begged my and i loved her and so i begged my mother to let me do the dishes so i could be like shirley temple begged and begged and begged (laughs) no you're too small you're gonna break something no i won't no i won't no i won't well finally once your mom realized oh she can do the dishes you had to do them forever ever and (laughs) ever and ever Uh, only you'd known what you were getting yourself into. Shirley Temple, I know. I clearly had no idea. So I had this big, like, repulsion to the dishes, right? Because I've just been doing for so stinking long. And so, um, uh, but once I saw that my kitchen is the heart of my house, Hmm. right? And I really, like, the kitchen is like a vortex for me, right? Like, when I'm cooking, it's the connection of everything. It is When when you said that earlier, a a minute or two ago, about how uh, all the parts are part of your body, and you said the kitchen, I thought, that's the heart. Yeah, And then you started talking about dishes. I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) But how's the heart? What's happening? I was like, oh, I was right. It is the heart. For me, for me, for For other people, it may not be. But for me, it's the heart. And so, like, when I am cooking, like, I'm in the middle of the vortex, right? It's, It's the seasons. It's the movement. It's nature, it's the fields, it's the farmers, it's the marketers, it's right, like it's mm-hmm. all the things that got that food to my house. 
And then the things that I do with it in that space, and then I feed it to people, and then they go out and do what they're going to do, right? So it is like right in the middle of that flow for me. And once I saw the kitchen as the heart of the house, suddenly dishes piled up on the sink took on a very different meaning for me. Mm. That you're neglecting your heart. I'm neglecting my heart. Right. So, because it had been to the place where it's like, I'd walk in and see dishes and be like, oh, I mean, I went on strike. Mm -hmm. Okay. While I was in the Netherlands, like I went on strike because I would cook these amazing meals and every day I had to think of thinking of what to cook is the worst. Am I right? Yeah. Thinking what to, if you would just tell me what to cook, I can cook it fine. No problem. But it was thinking of what to, blah, blah, I hated that. And so (laughs) like every day I'm struggling with this and, um, seriously is one of the biggest problems in my first marriage because I really felt like. I do all this cooking and you enjoy it so much and you take the leftovers to work and make everybody jealous and then you can't even clean the dishes up afterwards without yeah. a fight. Come on. Like this is like yeah. the, literally the least you could do. Do you know what I'm saying? Like right. it really it would really make me angry. And I went on strike um, in Holland and I still have that policy actually. I do not cook in a dirty kitchen. Right. I don't cook in a dirty kitchen. So if you want another nice meal, then you damn well better clean the dishes off. <laughs> I mean, that's just the way it works. And yeah. Jason, God love him, is like so practical and pragmatic about this. Right? He's like, well, I had to clean dishes when I lived by myself and I didn't have awesome meals. So why would I have a problem with cleaning the dishes? One of the many reasons I love this man (laughs) so much. Anyway, so finally, finally, right? I got what I had been saying for years. It was awesome. Yeah. um, But but yeah, like seeing seeing the the kitchen is the heart of the house. Instead of like walking in and seeing these horrible dishes, then I'd be like, oh no, I'm because neglecting my heart is very different from having a battle of wills about dishes, right? Right. At this point, it was just me and Miles anyway. So, um, so. Yeah. So, t- and what I started noticing too, once I had developed that practice of um, assigning meaning to the different parts of my house, and again, with you can do it aligned with your body, or you can use a feng shui bagua because it's kind of the same idea, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is my wealth section, this is my romance section. So, if a part of the house is neglected and you're not taking care of it, then it says something to us, right? And and I noticed that when I I started understanding why like Buddhist monasteries have the monks involved and the monks and nuns involved in these sort of like repetitive daily tasks. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, because once you've assigned meaning to that task, there's something happening on an internal level. When I would walk into that kitchen to do dishes, thinking of the kitchen as being the heart of my house, if I walked in with this frizziness, stress, anger, conflict, like whatever, all the stuff that we carry around with us, that, that weight of things unseen, by the time I finished the dishes, it just felt like all that stuff had been put into place, right? So even though I wasn't consciously thinking about sorting the stuff out or wasn't having some sort of like nirvana experience <laughs> of, oh, it all makes sense now, you know what I mean? Right. Like when I, by the time I walked out, everything just felt calm and clean. Yeah. Right. I agree. So, um, so taking that time during the full moon, as you're doing the cleaning in those spaces and keeping walking into the, into that space with the intention of, okay, now I'm paying, I'm, I'm paying attention to my creative space. Right. Right. And what are the things there that are clogging, clogging it up or that need to be gotten rid of or that are used now and need to be. Right. What do you need to clean out? Right. Recycle, reduce, reuse. You know what I mean? Like, so as you're going through each one of those spaces, having that intention of 
what am I, what, what is no longer serving me and getting that right. out the door so that you have space for the things that do serve you to come in. And it's kind of like, um, if you've ever walked a labyrinth. Yeah. I've done that once. Oh, yeah. love labyrinth. So when you, when you walk into the labyrinth, right. And you, we should tell people probably what it is just for, cause I didn't know until recently what it was. And it's basically rocks. Uh, it's just on the ground and, and it's a maze sort of with made out of these, you know, um, whatever rocks like and pa- yeah, making, yeah, making paths, but there are no dead ends, right? That's right. the difference with a labyrinth. Yeah. So with a labyrinth, you come in the way you went out and there's no dead ends, right? You go in and it sort of wraps around and then you end up in the center and then you go back out and just basically go in the reverse. Right. Exactly. Out. So yeah. a lot of times you, uh, if you're, if that's a facilitated, right, then what you'll do is have an intention, like something that you're going to release in the center of the labyrinth. So full moons are a fantastic time to do, um, a labyrinth. Yeah. Um, that's when I did it. I did a full moon labyrinth walk up at Melanie, with Dunlap. Melanie Dunlap. Yeah. Melanie yeah. Dunlap up at, uh, the peaceful spirit enrichment center in new river, um, does one every full moon. So if you're in North Phoenix and want to do that, her labyrinth is fantastic. Yeah. Um, but you, you sit down and do, uh, an intention of what you want to release. And as you're walking into the labyrinth, you're thinking about all the space and energy that that is taking up in your life. Right. And then once you've released it in the center, as you're walking back out, then you can lay like, wow, well now that that's not there anymore, what do I have space and energy for? Gotcha. Right. So, yeah. so it, it starts like you get this amazing feeling of expansion, right? Mm-hmm. So, and that time of the full moon is, is right on the cusp of that, right? Yeah. So as you're cleaning, like once I get this out, what will I have space for? If I don't have to occupy myself with, for this, then what can come in its place? So it can be a space of also, opening space for intentions. Yeah. Right. Um, and even if it doesn't happen, like exactly the way it's supposed to, like my experience was, so when I went and did it, I was going through a time where I was very stressed. I had a lot of anxiety and, um, and I was, um, just dealing with a lot of uncertainty in my life. And, and so I had the intention of, I wanted to let this go and, you know, but then I get to the center and <laughs> it's not gone. <laughs> you know, I'm like, okay, <laughs> tension, you can go away now. <laughs> and, and so, so then I have that judgment of, this is not working for me. I'm not doing it right. You know? And, uh, and so I was like, you know, Sarah, just, it's okay. You know, if it's not everything that you wanted it to be, just, you know what? It's a beautiful night moon, you know, that beautiful night out, you know, the full moon, there were like clouds going across the I sky and the, and the moon would sort of go in and out behind the clouds. And there was this beautiful breeze. So finally I was like, Sarah, it's a beautiful night. And there are these cool people here and there's candlelight and just enjoy it. You know, just walk in the sand through the labyrinth and, you know, whatever, chill out. <laughs> and then, um, uh, and then as I left, you know, I had this question that I had and, and I got an answer to it. And, and it was, you know, it didn't relieve like all of my anxiety. I mean, I didn't feel suddenly, you know, at peace with the whole universe or whatever, but I, I, I had an answer. I had something I can move forward with, you know? And so I think that's one of the, the things that as I've started to embrace these different rituals, you know, what, what I, 
you know, may might in the passive term like new age or hippie or right. woo woo kind of you know stuff. You know, I'm like, oh, is this weird? What would people think if they knew that I was like going to this full moon labyrinth walk thing? You right, know, right, right. And and what I've come to terms with is just that you know there are many different rituals and there are many different ways of dealing with whatever it is you need to deal with. And, you know, some people go to psychologists, some people go to personal coaches, or some people go on labyrinth walks or, you know, feng shui their house. and put themselves in tremendous debt on credit cards to go shopping. Right, exactly. Some people (laughs) abuse substances. But those are rituals too. I mean, like, we're going to do it, right? Right. This is kind of, it's so human. Yeah. Superstitions in sports, you know, like people have, like, they're lucky sock or whatever it is, you know, you know, yeah. And so as a, as a, you know, rational educated person, you know, I, I've sometimes kind of questioned that stuff and went, are you being silly and superstitious and, you know, you know, um, uh, just being ridiculous. And, and then I finally realized, you know, when you do something and it has meaning to you, right. And you get something valuable out of it. Then it's meaningful. Like the thing you were talking about earlier with the gong and, you know, your hips were hurting and that meant something to you. You know, someone else might have had that same experience and went, oh, I'm just sitting in a wrong way. I should have gotten the rug or the wedge or, you know, something so I could sit more comfortably, right? Someone else might have just thought that that's why your hips hurt, you know? Right. But you saw something in it and it revealed something about yourself that was meaningful and that you were able to then go do something with that, you know? And so I think that's, that is the value in any kind of ritual, whatever it is, whether it's religious, new age, old age, whatever it is that you're doing. Um, if it ha it needs to have meaning to you and if it's having meaning to you and it's helping you move forward in a way that enhances your life, then it's good. Right. But if it's something that you're just doing it because someone else told you to, or well, you then it's just, not working for you, right? It? Then it's not working for you. And I think this is one of the things that's really and that's right? silly. That right. is silly, right? Yeah. Is doing that kind of no, thing. very true. <laughs> and I and I think like when people get to this like scary evangelical like I'm gonna like kill people that don't do my rituals kind right. of thing, um, and whatever level of violence you, whether that's emotional violence or right, like yeah, um, so. It's because if it's working for you, I don't, if it's really working for you, then you're not really concerned about other people. Right. Right. Like it, it, it works for me. So I don't need to convince other people that it works. Yeah. Because I know that it works. So you can't talk, it can't, you can't talk me out of it. Right. And there may very well be a day heretic that I am because I am forever the heretic. Um, I have studied and practiced many, many religions and I was a heretic in all of them. Right. So, um, so a heretic that I am when I leave that thing and go to the next thing, because that's not working for me anymore. Right. Like, uh, then it'll be the same process all over again. But I know each one of those houses that I spent time in, there was some big question that I was wrestling with. And that house helped me move deeper into that question until I had a new question. Right? And then you needed and to then find I needed answers a new, elsewhere. I needed a new house, right? right. Because the answers to that question weren't in that right. house. Right. That was that, you know, and, 
for me, I've seen that like it's really interesting. Anyway, whatever, I can totally geek out on that, right? Like, <laughs> as each religion is revealed, it has like this one sort of central question that it's dealing with, right? So you can just kind of move through them. It's kind of like you could set them up, align them with human stages of development, but over like oh, really? thousands of years, yeah, that's that's not a podcast. <laughs> right. I could totally geek out on that, but. <laughs> But back to the idea of like the new moon and full moon and setting up a practice on those times, like it's aligning us with greater natural cycles, right? Which I think is urbanites with electric light. We, we really, really need that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's a time to stop and really reflect on it. Like taking inventory, you need to take rev- regular inventory of your life, right? Yeah. So, so the full moon is a time of, of release, and the new moon is a time of, of bringing intention. Again, with that idea of the moon being like a cup, right? When it's empty, it now means you can you can fill it with whatever you want, right? right. Um, and for the moon, we know that the moon impacts us, right? Like, look at the tides, tides and, and things, things like, like this. Yeah. So it's quite clear that the moon impacts our lives. Talk to anybody that works at ER and they can tell you that as well, you know? Really? Yes. Like, um, cops and, and, um, medical folks can all tell you that on new moon, on, on full moons, things are just insane, right? Really? Because huh. it brings things up from the surface, right? Like think about the full moon brings high tide, right? So it's pulling stuff up from the surface huh. that had been below and, we are water. I mean, that is right. the overwhelming, I don't know what the exact it's percentage is. It's like 60%. Is. I thought it was like over 70 or 80. Like, well, it depends. Any, okay. So, what it, so it's over, yeah, <laughs> large majority of our being is water, right? So, um, so it's pulling things up from the bottom that had been, that had been kind of buried down there, right? Yeah. So I if, bet that's where that whole werewolf thing came from, right? Absolutely. They become the wolf on the full moon. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Bringing out the monster. Yeah, because if you look at well, if you look at any of the monsters, like they 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 they're signifiers of different mechanisms of the psyche, right? So and they're things that scare us because they have to do the shadow. But yeah, the the werewolf totally like these these sort of deeper, more primal kind of urges that come mm-hmm. up that that our training or society or our fear of judgment push us to feel like we have to suppress them, mm-hmm. right? And the full the, the the power of the full moon is that brings it brings that, that stuff to the surface. So if you have been diving down there with a flashlight and look, checking stuff out and get to know who you are, then you're probably not going to have a problem with it because you already know it's there, right? And if you've got if you're not in antagonistic relationship with yourself, right, then then you can find where that thing lives, understand how it works, recognize where it's useful, and put boundaries to keep it out of the places where it's not useful, right? Um, but if you have been ignoring that or avoiding it or trying to stick it in a cage so you don't have to deal with it, well, then the full moon is when it pops out of its cage and comes forward, Right. right. So, um, so I, so I think the people that have the hardest time during those times are the ones that are avoiding the shadow, avoiding that deeper inner work, afraid of themselves, right? Yeah. Um, in some way, and so they're trying to keep a lid on this part, and the full moon is what the lid off. And within, so take the lid off before it exactly. Your so consent. right, exactly, and like that would be the sort of Jungian approach, right? Is to mm-hmm. get to know your shadow. Um, there's an Arabic saying: um, take 
take do your accounting before it is required of you. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah. So it's the same kind of idea. So you're not surprised with what your numbers look like? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, go down there and clean it out before the lid pops off because... Right. You know, um, so yeah, so it gives us these, it gives us these spaces too. And so, uh, cleaning the house is a big one. Um, having some kind of a, I love fire. I'm just like, and it, I, I love putting things in fire. I love burning. Like, <laughs> I'm just such a fire, fire fan. Right. So <laughs> building a little, when I even lived in an apartment, I would take like a stainless steel mixing bowl and put a little tea light in the bottom of the mixing bowl and like write things on paper and like burn it in the mixing bowl on my balcony. Like <laughs> that, you know, so even if you're an apartment dweller, you can still have fire rituals. I, for me, they're just really powerful. Um, so that's a really good way to release those things. And there's uh, the group of the group of rogue Unitarians <laughs> that I hang out with. Um, we drum up the moon at uh, Papago Park in the amphitheater. So drumming up the moon is another way to kind of welcome that. But um, however you're doing doing it, um, I invite you to share with us what your full moon rituals are and, and what are the, to really kind of stop and think about when are you stopping to take regular accounting, right? And releasing the things that, that aren't working for you anymore. All right, so today marks the end of our sixth episode, and uh, kind of a big milestone for us right now, we're going to put our podcast up on iTunes, and so what I want to ask our listeners to do is, if you enjoy this podcast, if you would like more people to know about it, then please go and subscribe on iTunes, Uh, just go to iTunes, the iTunes store, Go to podcasts and then do a search for Kitchen Table Alchemy, and you should find us on there. Um, it might take a day or two for it to actually go up there, but at whatever point you listen to this, um, you know, please go on there and do that. And that will ensure, one, that you get to get the new episodes right to whatever iPod player you use as the new ones come out. So you'll get those automatically. And then even if you're kind of on the fence where you're like, well, I don't always have time to listen to the podcast. Podcast, and I don't know if I want every single episode. Um, please, if you support this podcast and you want more people out there to know about it, please go ahead and subscribe anyway, because in the first five weeks, the podcasts that get the most um, subscribes and downloads in those first few weeks get featured on the homepage of that the iTunes podcast. Right, exactly. Right. Yeah. And so if it's featured up there, then a lot more people see it and we'll get a lot more listeners and a lot more subscribers. A more awesome tribe right. of right. all you. Because that's ultimately what awesome we're trying folks. to do here. We're yeah. not just here doing this so, to hear ourselves talk because <laughs> we could do that without the microphone. Right. <laughs> so, so really, I mean, our goal and our intent intention with this podcast is to connect a tribe of people who are wanting to grow and develop and be a part of that shift, both, you know, on the planetary level, but then also personally and individually. And so the more people that we can reach, the more people can join that that tribe. Right. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So, um, so go on iTunes, 
iTunes, subscribe, and then also please leave us a comment and uh, yeah. so that other people uh, who find us can um, hear what you have to say. And about we totally it. again, it's not just about us talking, right? We really want um, we we want your feedback and love the stuff that's being posted in the Facebook group. So um, so you can also go to Facebook. It is a closed group, so just ask to be uh, to join and um, find us again. Searching for Kitchen Table Alchemy on Facebook, and and we yeah. can keep keep the conversation going there. And there have been some pretty cool posts that people post in articles and things like that that people have put up. So yeah, and send um, us your questions. You know, if yes. you have something that you want us to talk about and to ask, you can do so. You can put your name where you can remain anonymous, whatever you choose, and um, we would love to keep that conversation going. Absolutely. Bye. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>